this week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Michael Madrid, Brian Nelson, Mark Wiggins, Christopher Daly, Lindsay Hillebrand, Mauricio Zambrano, William Gibson, Michael Krug, Dirk Mueller, Daniel Evanson. No names that I can't pronounce. Oh, man, even a stopped clock is right twice a day. In any case, this one goes out to they and or them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, sugar, spice, everything nice. And some Batman. These were the ingredients chosen to create the perfect podcast, but Professor Schleichtonium accidentally added an extra ingredient. Some blowhard fat guy. Thus, the Major Spoilers podcast <laughs> were born. Using their ultra superpowers, Rodrigo, Matthew, Stephen, and Buttercup have dedicated their lives to fighting crime and the forces of evil. <laughs> and the Major Spoilers podcast is on the city of Townsville. So I wonder if that makes Skrull Brian uh, Mojo Jojo. <laughs> Did you see, by the way, a uh, recent Twitter feed activity between myself and Adriana accidentally revealed the true fate of Skrull Brian? Really? Well, no, I didn't. I'm sure he'd be interested to find out what that is. <laughs> Go check the Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you'll find it. Welcome to issue 513 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for participating. We are doing so much for you and we enjoy being here each and every week. We've got some other stuff coming up for you and for our uh, subscribers. I tell you what, this week on Zach on Film, I drop a lot of detail about what that other project is. One of the other projects is for our members. And if you want to become a member of Majorspoilers.com, is that let us get to some news, Matthew. This week, three items. Thanos is taking over the world in Infinity. Anakin Starkiller gets the Star Wars treatment. And the Rocketeer and the Spirit team in a Mark Wade Paul Smith miniseries. <laughs> I don't know if Matthew is laughing or spinning the I wheel. I don't really know what's happening. Better have his wife hit him over the head there. It's a three. <laughs> Number three, IDW Publishing and DC Entertainment are announcing this was a list past week mm-hmm. at WonderCon in Anaheim that uh, Will Eisner's Denny Colt. And Dave Stevens, Cliff Secord, the Rocketeer, are going to team up in a four-issue miniseries called Rocketeer the Spirit Pulp Friction, taking off in July, and best of all, is being written by Mark Wade and drawn yes. by Paul Smith. Now, oh, I know, Matthew. Oh. The Rocketeer it. The Rocketeer it. Uh, here's the thing. I loved Mark Wade the last time he wrote The Rocketeer, and I was so sad, even though I like uh, Roger Langridge, what he's doing with The Rocketeer right now. I love what Mark Wade was doing with uh, with the Rocketeer. So to see Mark Wade, I don't think he's ever written any spirit stuff before. Didn't he write some spirit stuff for the original spirit run back in like 06, 07? I don't know, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe he did. But to see Wasn't him, he part of maybe Spirit Batman? Maybe. Oh, maybe. Um but man, to see the see him take on these two characters together, I'm excited. Zach, yes. what about you? Aren't you excited about the Rocketeer and the Spirit teaming together for the first time? Yes. What's Gosh, Stephen, I don't know who the Rocketeer and the Spirit are. Well, actually, more for. like I just don't know who the Spirit is. 
Matthew is offended by my ignorance. Well, that's Matthew taking in a dig, <laughs> dig, big deep breath so he can blow out uh, the spirit. Are you prepared? Uh, I'm laid on me, big man. Short 30 oh, second I... Wikipedia summary. Excuse me. How dare you imply that I use the Wikipedia? <laughs> the spirit is That's a fictional right. mass crime fighter created by cartoonist Will Eisner in 1940. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the spirit, for those who don't know, and this is basically meaning Zach, essentially, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, this spirit is one of the coolest characters ever for one reason. He is a comic book type character taken from that pulp kind of uh, tradition, who appeared almost exclusively in comic strips. Yes, in the newspapers. Mm. Every Sunday there would, a, a, right? there would be I a, vaguely a remember them from my childhood. Okay. Yeah. Well, the newspapers would come out, and on Sundays they'd have the Sunday funnies, and one mm. of the funnies was the spirit drawn by the legendary, and I throw legendary around, you know, I say the legendary Jose Garcia Lu Lu Lopez, and I say, you know, the legendary, I don't know, Kurt Swan. The legendary are, cheesecake I can't find. Yeah, those are good. <laughs> the legendary whatever it was. But both of those factor. are, they are legendary, don't get me wrong. But Will Eisner is kind of like a step above that. And Eisner's work on the spirit is phenomenal. It is awesome. Literally, it, it, it's something that deconstructs, reconstructs, deconstructs, and then once again rebuilds every single trope that you love about comic superheroes, comic stories, the art itself, all of the stuff that you see like Alan Moore doing where they'll say, oh, no, they can barely keep their heads above water, and you cut to people drowning in a train. That all draws back to what Eisner did in the 40s and the 50s. Yeah, yeah. It, the spirit is kind of like if Batman and Dick Tracy had a bastard stepchild who was trained by Maxwell Smart. You need to go read I you like some it. spirit. So Spirit Archives, I think, are out there. Yeah, they are. DC has been publishing them. Well, they published them for years. But you yeah, can go you into any good, reputable comic book shop or even uh, in your previews catalog. Mm -hmm. You should be able to find hardcover collections of these. They're really kind of expensive. Mm -hmm. um, I think they did a trade paperback a few years ago. I don't know of if they... Essential Spirits. Yeah, because I have the trade. I could okay. never afford the TPBs. Yeah. The heavy-duty... I, I, I think I've got one or two of the trade paperbacks. Um and it was after that, I was like, after of the hardbound books, and I was like, I can't afford any more after this because they're like fifty bucks oh, wow. for like one hundred and twenty pages or something like that. But it was yeah. a nice collection. Jeez. And in in maybe forty years of spirit stories, there is literally one huge problematic thing. These are stories from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, and there is one thing that you go back and go, wow, that really doesn't carry over into the year 2013. The racism? Well, the uh, I wouldn't say racism, but the, the stereotypical depiction of Ebony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would say racism in that. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. Yeah, stereotype, st stereotyping. Gross but stereotyping. If you're taking a story from 1945 – and the worst thing about it is the fact that you have a character who is very stereotype. And uh, hey, go read Terry I, and the Pirates, my friend. That's the thing. I can't. I cannot excuse what Ebony White is or was, but I can say that if that's the if that's the biggest problem in this book, comparatively speaking to other things of the era, you know, Eisner was turning in some really, really amazing stuff. Rodrigo, are you excited? I am. I'm. <laughs> 
I'm a, uh, I like a lot of the stuff that I've seen from the Rocketeer and um, everything that I've seen of the Spirit is really enjoyable. And I've read a little bit here and there about kind of what Eisner was thinking about and doing while he was writing the Spirit. And it's, I, I mean, uh, you know, Wade is a big kind of comics historian guy too. So yeah, it'll is. be interesting to yeah. see what all he injects into it from his own um, kind of his own preferences about comics and yeah. what we get to see in there. Somewhere buried in the site, somewhere, Zach, I've done a mm-hmm. retro review on an original um, spirit story. Um, it was the one that was that Frank Miller was going to use as the basis for the spirit movie. Uh, so yep. I jumped in there and did a retro review on that. You can go back and look. Uh, By and the way, that. if you've seen the spirit movie, first of all, I'm very sorry. Man, I couldn't make it all the way through. And second of all, it has literally nothing nothing to do with the spirit. <laughs> Seriously, Keanu Reeves as Constantine is more faithful. <laughs> in, and they didn't even pronounce the main character's name right. In Pulp Friction features a murder mystery and political intrigue from the grim and gritty streets of Central City where the spirit navigates through the urban underbelly of corruption to the sunny skies of Los Angeles where the Rocketeer soars above Hollywood elite. These two classic characters will become enthralled in murder, mayhem, and all manner of danger. And with a healthy dose of his signature humor tossed in for good measure, we can look for the Rocketeer's spirit, Pulp Friction, July 10th. I'm already <laughs> I reviewing... by that name once. Pulp Friction? Yes. Uh, a, there, I just... I just looked it up. There actually is, in fact, a porno called Pulp Friction. Yes, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. All right, listeners, anything else you guys want to add? Um, the Rocketeer, awesome, is also wonderful. And, you know, we don't want this to be just about hate. Oh the no, but I mean, back. to be honest, but I think the Rocketeer. We owes go on and on and on and on. Spirit. Oh sure. But, I mean, we go on and on and on on the site about Rocketeer quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So giving a little love over Rocketeer. to a Denny. When does that come out? July 10th. I'm putting it down for my review No, right you're not, because I'm putting it on my review right now. Honestly? <laughs> How about, okay. Site, site uh, owner and editor will uh, claim uh, it as Honestly? Fat guy who knows how to edit. Uh, okay, hey, dueling hey, with you. Hey, <laughs> both of you, fat guys, don't you have a podcast? What the two of you? Where actually, we do thing? have a podcast. We we were just reflecting on this uh, before you joined us, Rodrigo. That we do roughly about forty hours of original podcast content, not website content, but just podcast content yeah. every month. And so the shows that we have currently, and listeners, if you would. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the Major Spoilers Podcast Network feed. Master, uh, let's see, Major Spoilers Podcast Master Network, Network Master Podcast Feed. feed. <laughs> so you can get Major Spoilers Podcast. You can get Dueling Reviews, which Matthew and I sit down and we uh, talk out a, a comic. Uh, we have Zach on Film, Hello. Critical Hit, mm-hmm. um, Munchkin Land, hit. Top 5. And I wouldn't be surprised if another podcast pops up. Because we are a network, which, what does network imply, Matthew? A network is what happens when you work in a net. (laughs) Can't have a network if you're only producing your own stuff. So be on the lookout for it. And I've mentioned this before. Uh, We are going to start bringing in some other shows into the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. So be on the lookout for those real soon. Network is a 1976 American movie directed by Sidney Lumet and written by Patty Chayefsky. Also check out over at the Major Spoilers website all of the news stories that we mentioned, including the uh, 
there could be something interesting that comes out of the Star Wars series that Dark Horse is about to take on. Um, but also check out a brand new series that'll be out every Monday from uh, Wayne Hall, one of the new writers. Comic Portal every Monday at Major Spoilers. And if you're wanting to get into some Luke Cage action. Oh, yes. Check out Sweet the hero Christmas. history on, what is it, Power Man? Power Man. Well, Luke Cage was first the hero for hire, then Power Man, then Luke Cage. But to me, he'll always be Power Man. Yeah, there you go. So you can go check that out. That big yellow shirt. Over at Majorspoilers.com. And if you want to get a shout out at the top of the show, head over to Major Spoilers. We've got all the information right over there. And we want to thank everyone who's become a regular subscriber. Subscribers. Subscribers. There are some superscribers Time for some reviews. All right, this week uh, out from IDW Publishing, Lock and Key Omega number four. And holy crap. This is where the S is <laughs> literally hitting the fan. Did you hear Brett Ratner is taking over Lock and Key? <laughs> is he okay? Uh, Joe Hill, Gabriel Rodriguez, uh, again, serving up a stellar story. This time, it's, this, is, this is, should be somewhat telling in what goes on in the book. Chapter four, Human Sacrifice. We know that uh, Dodge Caravaggio has been trying to unleash the evil things behind the door with the Omega key. But in order for those things to live in our world, they need to attach to human hosts. Well, there's a after prom party going on in the caves underneath Lovecraft house. And a uh, young little Bodie who is being inhabited by Dodge uses his uh, crown of shadows to essentially collapse the cave and trap all the kids inside and unleash uh, the shadow monsters upon them to drag them to their most certain doom. Scary. Meanwhile, on the plus side, um, both uh, the lock kids, mothers and their uncle uh, are starting to come to some realization that they kind of remember all of this stuff happening before mm-hmm. to the point where uh, Bodie's mom is actually seeing his ghost as she's, uh, lying collapsed on the floor and is trying to get up. It is a cliffhanger of an ending that makes you go, no, this issue is too short. It's not short. It's actually the same length that it's always been. But the story that's being told, I don't, I, man, if we ever go back and we have to pick out our favorite series of all time, and I would count, you know, Dark Knight Returns as its own little mini series. It's going to be a tough fight between Dark Knight Returns and Lock and Key, that entire opus that that Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez have created, because it is that awesome. And I know I say that every time, but I know we're almost at the end of Lock and Key as this main story. And there'll be some others coming out from IDW Publishing, but you need to go and pick up every trade and read them in order and just let your draw jaw hit the floor. You've done this, right, Zach? I'm still behind. I have. Zach, but God hold on, dang it. Hold on. Hold on. I have the trades on my iPad. I just haven't sat down and read all of them yet. I and am. In his defense, we are making him watch an entire movie. I know an entire. Oh, yeah. making him watch TV. Watch he's like movie 19. Every week. His, his attention span oh, only goes 20 Mr. minutes. Like, I don't know what I'm yeah. going to do. I can barely make it to this show. Not to mention <laughs> the fact that there, there are like 35 different varieties of candy bracelets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I've got a story about a candy bracelet. It's kind of mean, but we'll talk about that later. So lock and key Omega number four. I'm giving it four and a half slices of meatloaf that good, but just into too soon. Mm. 
That's out this week from IDW Publishing. Out last week from Marvel Entertainment, Matthew. Yes. It is the Age of Ultron. You must submit. Be-doop, be-doop, be-doop. So That's you how said I always imagine Ultron your, talks. Your book was really good, but too short. It was. Scratch that. Reverse it. My review's over. <laughs> <laughs> the Age of Ultron. <laughs> years and years ago, a man named Yellow Jacket went BF crazy and created a robot named Ultron. Ultron quickly became self-aware and then became a plot device of ultimate proportions. This tale, if that is its real name, uh, Age of Ultron, is basically the story of what happens after the Ultron apocalypse engulfs the Marvel Universe. The first couple, three issues have been all... Well, they've been difficult to peg because there's no real expectation of the time frame. It may be the future. It may not. Spider-Man is in this, and Spider-Man is acting like Spider-Man. Uh, there are moments where the Fantastic Four appear in this story, which kind of bugs me because of the Fantastic Four's actual you know, history current and where continuity. they are in, in their current continuity. Literally, this creates continuity problems all over the Marvel now. So my expectation has got to be that this is an alternate timeline or an alternate universe, which I'm generally fine with that. If it weren't something that didn't feel like we've seen it half a dozen times before. You know, and again, I understand that there are fleeting demographics in the comics industry. I understand that not everybody bought Secret Wars off the shelf in 1984 and goes, oh, well, this whole broken Captain America shield thing reminds me of Secret Wars that I bought off the shelf in 1984. I understand that. I understand that not everybody in 2004 went to the store and picked up the Ultimates and saw Brian Hitch, you know, drawing Ultimate versions of Marvel characters and having them look remarkably like they do in this book. I understand that. And I understand that when it comes to big crossover schmageggy, when you want the stakes to be really, really high, you throw in as much bizarre and grim psychotic stuff as you can. Parts of this actually aren't half bad. There are parts of it that are so problematic that the parts that aren't half bad don't work for me because of it. In this issue, Luke Cage, who is one of the few surviving characters, and the She-Hulk come up with a plan. They agree to trade She-Hulk to the villains in return for something? I'm not entirely sure. As we go through this story, there's a lot of fighting, and there's a lot of, hey, it's that guy, and hey, it's that guy. And then the Taskmaster shows up, and people do love the Taskmaster. I'm good with the Taskmaster, but... It kind of collapses under the weight of the pretext, which is Ultron has taken over the world. How is this not days of future past? Is is this an alternate timeline? Because I saw this and I was just like, I think I'm just going to skip the whole thing. But is this like the world's been reshaped because of something that's been happened before? Or what's, what's the deal? I don't know. And the problem that we have is that, uh, you know, out of universe, this book was fully written. And done in 2011, but it was held back. It was, it was held back. It, it wasn't ready for sixth uh -huh. grade. So they held it back a few months so that it could, you know, learn some social skills and interact with the other kids. But really, 
there are beats here that feel almost exactly like um, the end of Fear itself or the middle chapters of Fear itself. And there are some beats here that, you know, feel ridiculously familiar to anyone who's read Days of Future Past. But there is something here that makes it feel like it's the future. Everyone, you know, has a slightly different look. She-Hulk has short hair. Luke Cage has hair. Spider-Man has been beaten down. Captain America looks five years older and looks like he's been, you know, put through the the wash and put away wet or however that phrase goes. I don't know. All in all, I can't tell where this fits. And there aren't really any contextual clues. And the thing is, when you get to the end of the issue, there's a big reveal that doesn't really feel revealing. It doesn't feel shocking the way it might have had this story been told maybe in 2011. But for me, so far, I have yet to read an issue of Age of Ultron that was anything less than, oh, because of, I don't know if it's because of, of what they're doing, the tone that it's doing. Maybe it's the fact that I'm supposed to feel beaten down. Maybe I'm supposed to feel defeated. I don't know. You're not a big fan of Brian Michael Bendis, though, are you? Oh, I love Bendis when he's writing certain things. Okay. Now, Bendis on Avengers is a little more difficult to process for me. Some characters I feel like he does really well. Some characters I don't feel like Bendis can write. Okay. So... I, I don't hate him. Let's put it that way. Okay. I, I was just curious. I, I, don't, know. I don't go in going, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tear this up. Cause it's a Bendis book. Uh, I'm going to make it awful. No, that's Mark Miller. <laughs> Sorry. I want to have slices of <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Matthew. I was laughing too hard. Uh, what was the slices of meatloaf rating? <laughs> it, it was a slice of meat roll rating called, F you, Zach. No. <laughs> 1.5. 1. 1.5. Okay. Age of Ultron, number four. Slightly worse than the previous issue. Really? I'm okay. kind of hoping that this thing gets to the point where it's all super awesome. And I go, man, why did I hate that third issue so much? You, you do know the spoiler that's coming up in what? Issue nine or ten? What is it? Angela? Man? Angela. An- Sean's girlfriend from Boy Meets World S- season five? Spawn. Spawn's Angela. Yes. Span, Spawn's Angela. Spangela? Yes, Spangela. Dude, I don't read Spawn. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know if you knew that she was uh, going to be part of the Marvel Universe in Age of Ultron. Here's what I know about Spawn. My wife sold issue one for 75 bucks once. And there you go. All <laughs> right. Uh, out this week or next week, Rodrigo? Next this week. This week. The Final Plague number one. Yes. The final plague number one from Danger Zone slash Action Labs. Danger Zone is a comic book about rats. Oh, really? Or, uh, well, it's a comic book about people and them having to deal with rats. And um, it's pretty good. I thought, you know, I was reading it and I was like, yeah, this is good so the <laughs> the uh <laughs> i'm sorry i've been uh doing things the 
comic centers around sort of two groups of people. One of them, some scientists, the other one, a family out in a rural area. And suddenly these freaky rats start showing up and we get to see what how they react to the freaky rats. Now, by the end of the book, a couple people have died from freaky rat attacks, which doesn't seem like a... Uh, any sort of final plague, but clearly they are building up to it. This is like a penultimate plague, if you will. <laughs> um, Said it before I could. Yeah, well. So the the art is pretty nice. It it's all kind of uh, what was that like? The, it, it's it's all kind of done in really. Um, broad strokes kind of um, it's got kind of a messy look to it, but clearly it's on purpose. Um, And it makes for particularly good, uh, like really when you're looking at something that is um, kind of ephemeral, like a sunset, it looks really good. And when you're looking at something that's kind of disgusting, like a rat that's been smashed with a shovel, Mm, it also yeah. looks really good just mm. because, you know, th- that style really helps in that sense. Um, altogether, it was actually a fairly interesting read. Um, I'm looking forward to the next issue. I'm going to give this three and a half slices of meatloaf. All right. Nice. Okay, Zach, it's up to you. Oh, Let's bring it on home with something yes. from our friends over at Monkey Brain Comics. Yes, Monkey Brain Bring Comics. it on home to Omeletville! <laughs> yes, this week I am reviewing Skybreaker number one, which released last week from Monkey Brain Comics. And we are taking a trip into the Western Times. And this seems to be uh, occurring in Wyoming, as they refer to an Indian attack that happens in down in Colorado. They don't really say it's Wyoming. I'm just going to assume that. There's mountains and stuff. So what we have here is a uh, little western town that is has two uh, bad groups controlling for it. There seems to be a, a, a mob boss kind of figure who has his lunkies, and they're controlling the town, and then this cavalry moved in, and they are, are have no intentions of fighting anyone Besides people to control this town and to have the way with really whatever they want to. And that's a big part of this issue. Also, there it starts out with a man who seems to be dead and then starts shooting people. And pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Not a whole lot of character development in this. It is a first issue, so... That's okay. It sets up a lot of... It sets up like three different storylines for basically three different characters that have no interaction so far. And it works to a degree. It's nice. There's some really nice moments of uh, females taking lead and just kicking some butt hardcore, uh, which is nice because that's not, uh, historically not the way they were generally portrayed in that time period. So that was always nice. Art here is all black and white, and it works incredibly well. The nothing blends in too much with the shadows. There's always distinction of what's on the panel, which is always nice to see because it's something I'm generally uh, worried about when black and whites are all the blacks and inking start mixing it together and makes it too muddied of an image. 
all in all, this is a this is a decent read. The, I'm really looking forward to the coming issues when these three stories start intertwining into this town, and uh, I'm going to assume much battles will happen. This is a Mr. Monkey Brain comic. The writer is Michael Morrissey, who people will know from Hoax Hunters from Image. And he was the lead singer of the Smiths as well. Oh, there you go. Multi-talented. And the letterer, Frank Barbier, I totally butchered that, is actually the writer for Five Ghosts from Image. So you have some, some pretty big names working on this. And just get this. This is 26 pages. Monkey Brains, 99 cents. 26 pages 26, of Monkey Brains? Yes. And it's only 99 cents. That's, that's, that's DC Marvel length for yeah, yeah. $2 less, $3 were you, less. Were you on the show... When we talk with Chris, right when they announce Monkey Brain, no, okay, so that's kind of their their look. Is yeah. you know they could be charging three ninety nine, yeah. two ninety nine for a book that's just released, but they're keeping a ninety nine cent price point. That's wonderful. They've got some great stories, and now it looks like they're getting some of their books released through trades and IDW. IDW, I think you yeah, picked up a couple of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So be on the lookout for some of those out there too. Yeah, so. I look at they they've had they've released so many new titles in the last couple of weeks. You always got to check those out on uh, Comicsology digitally wonderful pretty good book decent book it's it's worth a look especially if you like uh, the western genre there's some interesting and nice things Gavin. art's really really good this is a uh, middle of the road two and a half slices of meatloaf still worth a look though all right thank you so much for that and listeners you can head over to majorspoilers.com plenty of reviews over there to keep you entertained let's see our highest rated review on the site right now or our highest read review on the site right now, an article that is actually not adult film oriented. Uh, uh, nope. There's not even one on there right now. So there you go. <laughs> it was on there, well, but I think, uh, uh, Zach's post on what the, the age of Ultron bumped it off earlier today. Yeah. So there you go. I believe it was uncanny Avengers. I think it was, yeah, it was, it was that. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, if you're uh, over at Majorspoilers.com and you're looking to buy something, whether it be the trade paperback that we're reading this week, uh, whether it be a uh, Animal House DVD for this week's upcoming Zach on Film, or whether it's Breakfast Club, if you want to get a head start on next week's Zach on Film, if you, or maybe you just need a Blu-ray player and a large screen TV to watch all yeah. these movies on. Use I that, do. Use that Amazon.com link over at Majorspoilers.com. Buy your products. You get them shipped as normal. Same price as, as always. Uh, just a little bit comes floating back our way, and every little bit helps. You see, I bought my Ranger keys there. Oh, do you really? I bought, well, not all of them. I thought you had to buy all those on eBay. You can buy them on Amazon. Oh, okay, I cool. bought uh, I bought a deluxe set of uh, the uh, Go Onja. Mm. That's that's Japanese. It for means go, for go oranger. Yes, go oranger. Yes, yes. Nothing rhymes with oranger. <laughs> uh, this week, oh, Rodrigo and I had a very interesting discussion uh, following our uh, Munchkinland uh, recording session. Zach was in there. Yes, um, but uh, we were. Zach doesn't Zach... get to be a part of the when the big people talk. No, they kind of be like you. Really don't know what you're talking about. You were born in the '90s, and you don't even know who. I, I don't even know who they were talking about. I can't even say the name. Zach, the grown-ups are talking. Oh, I'll just shut up. So Rodrigo Tom had this. Uh, oh, I Rodrigo had this good, great question about uh, stranded on Who's something, Woody? whether it be an island or a boat or whatever it may be. Who would you rather be stranded with? Would you rather be stranded with Wilson, 
the volleyball from well, Castaway. Me next door neighbor from uh, <laughs> Howdy Ho neighbor. Howdy Ho neighbor. Uh, or would you rather be stranded with Richard Parker, the Who tiger, Spider Man's in The Life of Pi? <laughs> yes, of course, Matthew. We are indeed talking about the poll of the week. 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 There you go. Week. See, works so. I decided to there. take my cue this week because again. Go. Even Thank a you. stop clock is right twice a See day. See how it works. It's well. time. Oh, there it is. <laughs> so, Zach, who would you rather oh. be stranded in a boat with? Richard Parker or Wilson? Right. So, I kind of thought about this after you guys talked about it. And I and I think that really, it's I, I think it's a pretty obvious choice for me because, or just in general, Richard Parker, I think, is clearly the victor here. One... Because he's going to show some life. He's going to keep you on your toes. And you're, you're in, uh, in a raft. You're in, you're in a survival situation. You need to be ready at all moments. And if you're with a Bengal tiger, you're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be on the lookout. Uh, a Wilson. A tiger or a big old tiger? Because. Kind of both. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, by tiger standards, Bengal tigers are not the biggest tigers, but it's still compared a big to, old tiger. Compared to tiger versus man. Big old tiger. <laughs> yes. Right, right, right. Wait, yes. Which man? Um, uh, in, this, size, in this case, size size man. me. <laughs> <laughs> and Wilson, Wilson just kind of sits there. Yeah, I get to decorate him how I want him to look, and he'd probably look pretty dang good. But <laughs> when I, when you'd when have I, to deflate him to get as skinny as you are. <laughs> well, I don't want him to be a reflection of me. I just want him to be. I mean, I wouldn't want him, period, so <laughs> I wouldn't be able to talk to someone and at least have some reaction, even if that is just showing his teeth that because he got really hungry. And Have you watched Life of Pi yet? Mm-hmm. I saw it in theaters. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Um, and, I mean, Richard Parker, he can take care of himself. He's a tiger. If he wants some fish, if he gets hungry enough, he can jump in the ocean. He can catch some fish. He does in the movie. He eats fish. It's fine. Um, Wilson, I just don't see much use for the guy. Richard, Richard Parker, conversation piece, and also a purpose. Matthew, what about you? Richard Parker or Wilson? Well, I guess that if I had to have someone to talk to on a, you know, a, a voyage where I'm somewhere, I think I would go with the one that isn't going to eat me. So clearly, I took the tiger because I. Because I you're terrified of volleyball. <laughs> exactly, volleyballs and fat men. Are vo- actually volleyball different. represents exercise, and exercise <laughs> bad. Sports, sports are my nemesis. So uh, no, I actually I chose Wilson because if you actually watch Castaway closely, it's Wilson that keeps him sane and keeps him acting like a person. Whereas I, I haven't seen Life of Pi, but I imagine it's, you know, the kid from the Big Bang Theory uh, being chased around a boat by a tiger until he turns into butter or something. So, Man! Yeah, yeah, well, Matthew! Spoilers, dude. That is dead on. That is, the big, that is <laughs> exactly what happens. It's just two hours of that. <laughs> awesome. That's, that's why it won the, uh, the Oscar for Best Special Effects. Because <laughs> of all the splashing of the water around, like, you you really believe that it's like some guy getting chased by a tiger for two hours? 
Rodrigo, why don't you why don't you break it down for everybody on uh, break it down on uh, Richard Parker and Wilson and what they represent? Me? Yep, you. <laughs> yep, you. Okay. So I mean, it's it's interesting that that uh, Matthew brought that up because there's uh, interestingly, you could argue that Richard Parker and Wilson, given a particular read of both movies, are actually the same character. You can look at Life of Pi, and if you haven't watched it, or read the book, you might want to come back later. You might want to come back later. Um, There is a a read of Life of Pi, which the movie itself gives you that Richard Parker, in fact, doesn't exist, or or rather was killed along with every other animal on that ship, and that... The, he is part of a fantastic story that a kid told himself to deal with the fact that he watched the ship with some of his family members go down and then saw somebody murder his mother. Um, Yikes. It's pretty deep, Matthew. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is. It's, it's pretty as fantastic as that movie is. When you get to the last 15 it's minutes 20, of the movie, minutes. 10 minutes of the movie, yeah. it's not that long where he basically says, Okay, so these Japanese people came and asked me what really happened. They didn't believe my story of the tiger, and I told them this story. And then I asked them which one they would rather believe, and as is God. And you listen to that, and you're just like, yeah. whoa, oh my God. The movie hits hard. Yeah, yeah, end. it does. <laughs> it really does. And so uh, so that's what Richard Parker could represent. What about uh, Wilson? Well, Wilson is – so if, if that's what Richard – if you take that read, then – uh, Wilson is literally the same thing. Wilson is this character that you are seeing uh, Tom Hanks' character, whose name I don't remember. Uh, uh, Tom Hanks. Tom. He's always played Tom. Tom Hanks. Yeah. I don't know that the character is given like a a, a name, is he? Or uh, yeah, they, he does. they must yeah. mention his name at some point. Yeah, Willie uh, Gill. No, Jonas Grumpy. That's what it was. Captain Jonas Grumpy. Uh, so, and uh, but if you look at it that way, then you are looking at. Um, that interaction from outside of the character's mind, right? If you look at Life of Pi and you read it that way, you are seeing his interaction with nothing uh, inside of his own brain and you are seeing his imagination. If you look at Castaway, you are seeing it from the outside of a crazy guy talking to a volleyball. If you reverse that, then Wilson would probably be talking back to him. You'd actually be able to see a volleyball talking back. Um, Now, personally... Which one I would I rather get stuck with? Then it, it really does um, depend on the read. Would I would I rather get stuck with an actual tiger or an actual volleyball? Probably an actual volleyball. But at like Matthew kind of brought that up for Wilson, and and in in Life of Pi he actually says, you know, the fact that he had to keep himself aware of the tiger at all times is what kept him alive both because he didn't want to get eaten, but also because he had to be humane to the tiger and he just couldn't give, get himself to, you know, there's a, there's a moment in the movie where the tiger falls out of the boat and he helps him back on because he knows that the tiger would just drown otherwise. Um, so that, that idea that because of this highly dangerous element he had to survive makes me think that that's actually probably the only way I would survive if I was out there is if I had someone else to take care of and or be afraid of. Right. So I guess in my read of this, Rodrigo, slightly different than yours in that we both see that the 
characters of Wilson and Richard Parker are reflections of the people that are telling the stories. And you made a kind of a comment there that um, uh, Pi had to keep Richard Parker alive or, you know, keep a watch on him to maintain his humanity. Well, Richard Parker then, in the events of the end of the story, leads you to believe that Richard Parker is the animal instinct of Pi. You know, if he did not have his humanity there, he would have just turned feral and turned, in, you know, insane in that way. Um, and I don't think I would like that. You know, I don't think I would like to turn to that base animal instinct. Uh, on the other hand, Wilson is is somebody just talking to themselves and keeping their humanity in mm. check that way through kind of a, a, a weirder, crazy way in that he has to keep his mental human side active by having a conversation with someone. Right, right. And it's going to send and, and I guess in the Tom Hanks character's mind, it'd be silly to just be talking to myself. But now I've got somebody to talk to in the form of of Wilson. So to Actually, keep that crazy, a, go ahead. That's a really good. That's a really good point. That Pi survives by tending to his instincts, and Tom Hanks' character survives by staying human. Right. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I don't know. I. I just. Uh, he tries to stay more logical. I think when he's trying to say, hey, "I'm not." Talking to myself, talking to a base, uh, uh, volleyball. Of course, I'm not going crazy. Uh, so I put down Wilson as as my choice uh, this week because I'd rather maintain that sanity instead of breaking down into base instinct. Mm -hmm. So right. um, some other people, a lot of people just read it as, would you rather be stranded with a volleyball yeah, or a tiger? tiger. Yeah. And right. a lot of people were like, hey, I'd rather be stranded with the, uh, the, the volleyball. I don't That's want the tiger point. to eat, I mean, eat me. What did the... What did the man say who was being, uh, that was being eaten by a tiger? Help, I'm being eaten by a tiger. <laughs> um, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, some people picking Richard Parker and having a really good justification for that. Other people picking Wilson and having good justifications for that. Matthew, how did the rest of the Major Spoilers Nation vote this week? 145 votes as of this very second in time. 66% choosing the non-carnivorous volleyball. Over the giant effing tiger. For, you know, for understandable reasons. A reasonable but, choice. Yeah, oh, I mean, sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. I, I can definitely see where they're coming from on that. So, you know, it's kind of a two-to-one margin. You can still come and save. Bring all your friends to Major Spoilers. Remember, the way that you vote on the poll of the week is clicking on the Amazon.com link and choosing <laughs> an item to purchase. Then you're allowed to vote infinite times. Actually, you don't have to do that, but you can click once and vote once every, on the major spoilers. Every poll time of the week, you once buy a, a Bengal tiger, you vote for Richard Parker. Every time you <laughs> buy a volleyball, you buy a vote for Wilson. Oh, man, wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't that be crazy? Uh, Amazon.com called, Stephen. They want to know who's paying for the shipping on all these tigers. <laughs> I, I think it would be funny if that was the case, because then we'd be like, okay, well, we have all the numbers in. We've got uh, in third place, it's Richard Parker. In second place, Wilson. And in first place, oh, uh, never mind. We're actually not allowed, allowed to read this online. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. You can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can cast your vote in this poll of the week. And if you want to go check out some other polls of the week, there is an archive right there. You can click on it and you can go see what we've talked about and voted on in the past. But uh, good job, Rodrigo, on this week's poll of the week. Week, 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 week. We don't have any uh, phone calls. We're just going to push on through this week, not even take a break. Better to press on. But um, 
You got to go forward to go back. That's right. And if people want to be a part of this show and they want to comment on a past episode, see the going back part. Yeah. All they really need to do is press forward and press the numbers <laughs> on their buttons on their phones and call the Major Spoilers hotline and leave us a message. Matthew, if someone wanted to call our Major Spoilers hotline, what number should they dial on their telephone device-like thing? Well, first they'll dial one. Well, depending. Unless they're in another country, they can dial zero one. Followed by 785-727-1939. The Major Spoilers. Hey, look over there. That's a tiger. Hotline. <laughs> Do want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors this week, tweakedaudio.com. You can have, head over to tweakedaudio.com. Check out their large selection, their growing selection of headphones. I love them myself personally, mm-hmm. and we think you will too. And best of all, when you check out and use the code MAJOR, you will receive 30% off the price. That's at tweakedaudio.com. Thank you so much, Tweaked Audio, for your support. 30% off. So this week's book, Rust. Volume one. What is it? The Encounter in the Field is our book this week. All right. Everybody take a chance to read it. Everybody read it. Yes. Everybody read it. Who wants to give us a breakdown of the story? It's really short, actually. Well, it's not necessarily so much short as it reads quick. Because it's a good 200 pages. Oh, yeah. It's It's a lot of pages. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go grab my uh, iPad really quick so I could... Yeah. How about it on the iPad? How about it on the iPad? I will, I will say. IPad. Uh, I'm too tired. You guys just carry on without me. <laughs> just leave me here. <laughs> <laughs> iPad is iPad, iPad. Royden, Royden Leps is the uh, creator of uh, Rust in this mm-hmm. first volume, Visitor in the Field. And I will make a couple of comments when we get to it, but I read this in the iPad version. I also read the electronic review copy that Arkea sent us quite some time ago. Mm-hmm. I think that's what everybody is using as the Arkea copy, unless you bought your own, Zach. Yeah. And I will also say that I've read a physical copy of Rust Volume 2 that we have sitting here that was sent to us a couple of weeks ago. So um, why don't we get into the story, Rodrigo, and give us a breakdown of this tale. Sure. So uh, Rust, at least this volume of it is the story of a young man. He is kind of the eldest brother of a family, and he is trying to um, fix something up. Meanwhile, and he a lot of the story is narrated from his point of view as he is writing letters to his father. Um, we find out that he has a younger brother, and he lives in the farm with his mom. He's got some neighbors a few fields over, and also he's got a mysterious... Very young man working with him, somebody who looks like a you know significantly younger than him, maybe like a teenager. Well, actually, probably younger than that. He looks like he's thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, named Jet, and Jet came to them uh, because he was out working in the fields one day, and all of a sudden, this giant robot shows up and starts thrashing ev- around and breaking things. And he's chasing after Jet, who has a big jet pack. And he's like, flying around the robot. And then between Jet and this kid, whose name I've forgotten, the uh, our point of view character. I Um, forgot his name, too. I remember everybody else's name. Oz Oz is the younger brother. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Yes, (laughs) Tom Tom Hanks. Hanks. He does take some time to talk about basically every other character. And he kind of doesn't talk a lot about himself. Right. Right. So, yeah, I've, I've spassed on it. But um, or spaced it out. I've I've zacked out on it. 
Oh. <laughs> oh. You're being a hipster? Oh, what? Oh. Hey, Be uh, nice. You know was, you've made uh, it when your name shot. is a verb. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So later, I'm going to go take a big Matthew. <laughs> He, oh, <laughs> hey, don't be a Steven. <laughs> Furthermore, that's not even a verb. <laughs> Depends on how you use it. Anyway, don't pierce. <laughs> be nice. <laughs> All right. So. He we have we see conversations with Jet and he is very opposed to using these robots that were built to be war machines to be adapted to farm life, to, to farm life, even though the war is over. Um, we don't know why the robot was chasing him. We don't know why he had these problems. Uh, later on, we meet a young woman who is a, uh, a friend of the protagonist who gets into a car accident because a robot is trying to make its way to the farm. I, I, another robot, a, a smaller mm-hmm. unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of mystery surrounding Jet and potentially not just why he has a jetpack and why he's still kind of involved in war things, but also how old he is because he claims to have fought in the war, even though only the kids, like the, the one person that we meet who we know fought in the war because we literally see a flashback of him um, is probably in his 60s, 70s. Oh, older than that, I would say yeah, 70s or 80s. Right. Yeah. The the story of the war is really fascinating because when we're introduced to this story and the things that are going on with the war, it looks like doughboys, you know, the World War One guys walking mm-hmm. across the fields, trench yeah. warfare, and then all of a sudden you see some guys fall, and then you see them kind of hail out this line of marching robots, and you see the robots marching across the field, and then you see uh, the guys in the trenches send in even bigger robots and start yeah. w- marching mm-hmm. across the field, and all the while the the old man that we see later in the book... Um, Mr. McGillicuddy or whatever his name is, uh, is scrounging power supplies out of these dead robots. And then towards the end of the war segment, we see these jetpack boys flying over, um, over his head. And that's kind of where we end in the flashbacks. But Mm -hmm. in the course of the story, now I may be borrowing some stuff from volume two at this point, but over the course of the story, our, uh, hero, uh, and I'm trying to look up his name right now. Roman. Roman is his name. Roman Roman Taylor. Yeah. Roman keeps writing letters to his father. He dies and comes back as a shorter guy. Um, He's writing letters to his father who went away to the war. As the story is being played out, we learn that there are two generations, actually almost three generations of people who were involved in the war. The old man's generation involved in the war. Then the robots were brought in to fight. And then Roman's father was called up to fight. So Mm -hmm. Roman's father and the old guy are, you know, not the same age. As At least that's what I'm led to believe in this story. Yeah. So we get to the point where the robots are an older technology, and this is where kind of people are like, well, what time period is this set in? This is not set in any particular time period, except that it's maybe an alternate universe where we're in the, I don't know, 1920s, 1930s yeah. by it's, the time we yeah. hit this story. It's not exactly steampunk. It's almost no, like no. Dust Bowl punk. It is. And it's really <laughs> kind of cool. Dust punk is what we're going to call it. And it's, and it's really kind of cool. Uh, and we'll talk about how that leads into art in just a moment. But as far as the robots go, people have forgotten how a lot of these robots work. A lot of robots mm-hmm. are in junkyards. Some people can reprogram robots. And I'll give you a hint in, in uh, Rust Volume 2. They reprogram the robots by Morse code that they use. The old oh. Morse code... Uh, 
uh, d- devices, the telegraph devices to yeah. program the robots that way. That's cool. So Roman oh, wants oh. to reprogram these robots to help work in the field so mm-hmm. he can relax, so he can do other things. Uh, we see the uh, cute farm girl up the road. She's wanting to leave town and just get off out of the farm life and go to the city with her little blind sister and try to start a better life because they know that they can't make it in this dust bowl or rust bowl as maybe what we're building up to. Uh, how that turn, how that ties into the uh, the art, the entire book is sepia toned. Yeah, uh, yes. and it looks wonderful. Wonderful. But uh, m- more art in a minute. But story wise, what'd you guys think of this story? I mean, it's really kind of an introduction to what's going on. I mean, yeah. the minute that uh, the robot gets hit in the road, uh-huh. that's where kind of the volume ends. We're kind of left kind of hanging a little bit, except for maybe I- we get. If you read the back matter, the very, very back matter inside, what's it called? Inside the cells or something. Um, you get a little secrets glimpse. Yeah. Secrets of the cell. You get a little glimpse at what, uh, Jet Jones really mm-hmm. is. Yeah. I had some issues with the breaking point of the story mm-hmm. where it just suddenly you're to, and then it's done. But yeah. as far as the story itself and the construction of the story, it's very engaging. You know, you open up with the battle sequences and then you have the time jump, the what is it, five decade time jump. Yeah, 45 years. But yeah, you jump forward to a point that feels like the past. Mm-hmm. And I really like the way they are they're able to mesh that that kind of thirties Tom Joad Grapes of Wrath thing mm-hmm. together with the, you know, the forward thinking robots everywhere kind of stuff. It feels like you know, that's done really well. All of the robots feel like they are at least externally true to the 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 visual aspect of the technology of the 1920s, 30s in that mm-hmm. neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. The big ones have faces like tractors. And you believe the internal logic and the consistency of the story, which is really hard with speculative, especially, you know, when it comes to alternate history speculative fiction. So you got to give him serious credit for that. What'd you think of the story there, young Zach? I thought that this was very entertaining. And the story <laughs> covers not as much ground as I expected to when I thought it to, when I started started reading it. And it kind of felt like maybe... That if this book, if this story would have been done by DC or Marvel, this would have been maybe two issues at the most, yeah, and they yeah, would yeah. have compacted the crap out of this, right, and they would right. have told a lot, much, a lot more in a short amount of time. But drawing it out and getting these like huge panels and just silent panels to let the world build and look at characters and just to see what's happening, I thought was wonderful. Rodrigo, what about you? I enjoyed it. I thought um, I thought it was well paced, but I will agree that as an as as a, as a breaking point, the fact that there is a like there is slightly more mystery mm-hmm. is is not necessarily a, a reason to end the story. There, I think right. that if they had taken that kind of additional little thing and that had been the ending, that would have been okay, but. I want to say that all we get there at the last thing is you just see that the little brother is aware of it. I want to say that sometime during the story, we do see Jet, like, swap out a core, don't we? Yeah. 
end. Yeah, we, yeah. We, at the end, we see him, but it's the secret okay. of the cell that so we learn. Okay, so it's at the very end. Then. Yeah, but it's only so, in yeah. the secrets of the cell that we learn that the little brother is aware that Jet is not. Right. Yeah. Right. In the story, and, and I want to say it's maybe two thirds or three quarters of the way through, we see Jet actually change it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when he comes in, Roman's like, "Did you right, change right, the oil right. on the tractor?" And he's like, "Nope." Right. But he's yeah, still he's covered still in still the covered oil. oil. Yeah. Right, right, right. So we already saw that. All we get is the kid sees it, but then we don't. Then Jed doesn't turn around and see the kid spying him. You see what I'm saying? Like, right. It's like, it's like we're heading towards drama, and then it doesn't happen. We see something that we already know. So one of the characters finds out, but he's the tiniest character. Yeah, and that's so it kind doesn't of, matter that the kid found out. I mean, it might matter later. Yeah, but that's does. not an ending necessarily. No, and, and really the and all of that happened in another issue. As, yeah, as this a, the secret of the cell part. That last little bit is kind of like an epilogue, kind of like a little extra bit that kind of I guess in the and again because I've read the second volume is kind of the teaser to go out and buy the second volume because now that that the Oz knows what's going on, how does that create conflict in the second volume? Mm -hmm. So not only do you have, why was there a robot marching its way across the field towards the Taylor farmhouse, but now what's going to happen is, is Oz going to spill the beans on, on jet being not a, a real boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I, I did find that really kind of fascinating to me. I mean, yes, I agree with you. This is a weird break point. And when I read, when I got to that point in the book, I was like, really? That's the end for this first volume. Mm-hmm. And again, when I get to the end of the second volume, I felt the exact same way. So this is kind of a recurring pattern of it's like there's a lot of buildup, but then we're just kind of left hanging. And the sad part is volume one, the one that we're reviewing, came out in December of 2011. Volume two came out in December of 2012. And volume three will probably come out in December of 2013, 2014, mm-hmm. et cetera, which means we've got a long time to wait between yeah. installments. Darn it. But, you know, we've seen the same thing happen with Saltwater Taffy, too, where it's like six months to a year before that new volume comes out. Yeah. Well, and, and to a certain degree, it's kind of uh, putting our, our money where our mouth is, because I, I think a lot of us, and, and definitely me, we've talked about that system of getting a book done when it's done, right? rather right, than right. trying to rush it. So that is the downside of that, that you have to wait two years for the next volume of Scott Pilgrim. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you guys. I still enjoyed this story. I think there's a lot of mystery in there. I think there's a lot of, you know, alternate history stuff that, you know, like we said, borderlines on steampunk. Um, but it's set during that time period that I really like of, of pulpy tales. And so for that reason, I really, really like from the story standpoint, from the art standpoint, I already mentioned the sepia tone. Yeah. Uh, and, and as far as the pacing goes, in this book, I think one of the other things that makes it as long as it is, is the fact that the action sequences are highly detailed, where you go into multiple frames to tell the robot winding up to punch something and then mm-hmm. swinging the punch and then cracking the trees and then the trees exploding around it. I mean, you really take that mm-hmm. amount of time. I mean, uh, there's this one sequence uh, at the beginning of the book where the old man is is a young man in the war crawling out and checking the the bodies of the soldiers to find out which ones are the robots. And he goes out there and you see him crawling out in a wide shot. Then you see him grabbing one of the fallen soldiers and then you see it turn over and then you see a panel of it's a man. And then you cut back to the, 
to the old man saying, oh, human. And then you see him repeat that process, human. And then finally, ah, finally, robot. Mm -hmm. And then you have a whole three panel sequence of him taking one of the cells out of the body. So there's a lot of, of detailed work going on in the story. It's not compressed. It's a, it's a decompressed story as far as that goes. And I, that adds to the page count. It adds to the intensity of the story, I think. Um, and, uh, but also kind of leaves you hanging when it gets to, oh, we're 200 pages in. We better cut it right here. Right. And that, I mean, that awkwardness, I don't necessarily know. We've come to this before where it's a, an enjoyable story and there's good stuff in it, but the way it's collected is to the detriment of the material. And I don't necessarily know. I mean, is it entirely fair to hold that against the work? Right. I mean, I, I can't avoid it. Obviously, it's a bias that I have. It's something that bothers me that keeps coming up. But I mean, I, I liked the book, except for the point where it chose to just kind of drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, keep in mind, too, that this is we're reading the collected trades. So right. these are being released as individual issues as well. So um, this one, I think, is what, five issues long, I think, or four issues long is uh, what it is on the uh, Comixology store. Or you can buy it uh, wholly. Uh, Rust Volume 2. Let me see if I can find the other Rust Volume 2. Secrets of the Cell uh, are going on right now. And it's got six parts to it collected in a trade. Um, the first part. So maybe this is being released bi-monthly or every other month. Is, so. the, is this one of the books that Archaea is releasing the entire volume first and then digitally going back and releasing the chapters? Because I know they've done that in a couple. No, I don't think so. No. Because uh, Rust Volume 2 Part 1 was released um, in September of 2012, and the hardcover just came out in December of 2012. Oh, okay. So, okay. you know, there's a little bit of buildup uh, to that. Uh, still kind of interesting. Now, let me tell you something. Maybe you guys didn't notice this, and this is something that may only happen if you have the um, the digital review copy, and you're reading it in a PDF viewer, and you're scrolling up and down as, as opposed to swiping side to side. Mm-hmm. Um the detail in the images is really cool because he actually uses depth of field. He uses uh, some lens flare effect and glow effects. But in some of these scenes, especially when uh, things are flying through the field and people are running through fields, especially that opening uh, motorcycle sequence where uh, Roman is trying to chase down um, Jet and get away from the robot. If you flick through your PDF copy, it's almost mm-hmm. like you're watching a motion comic because the panels just come alive. Yeah. Yeah. The, just the motion just comes alive very quickly. And I said, I have to go get the comiXology version of this to see if the panel by panel view is the exact same way. Unfortunately, it's not, Mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of life in each, in each panel. Did you guys like the depth of field and the, the flare effects and the glowy effects and all that, even though it's a monochromatic book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Oh, thanks. Um, I think the that's that's precisely because of that is, you know, when you when you restrict your color choices, you have to bring up a lot of different things. I think that also, you know, we're talking about this being a very decompressed comic, but there's also a lot of action in it. So all of that stuff makes for more active, more tense panels. You know, when glare from the sun restricts your view of something, when you know, you see motion lines because something is moving so fast. Um, all of those little, really, all those little tricks add, like, continue to add up to create what is a very active comic, even though 
the pacing of it is actually kind of this low, slow burn. Right. Zach or Matthew? um, Some of the motion stuff that he used the digital blurring on, Mm -hmm. I wasn't as big a fan of. Everything else I really liked. I liked the uh, limited color palette. And some of the depth of field stuff worked pretty well for me. But I don't, I'm not a big fan of the digital blurring of motion. And it's just the fact that it, sometimes it just doesn't look as good. <laughs> How come? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, because they're, they're taking their, they're taking what they already drew, a static thing, and they're mm-hmm, just, bl- right. they're just blurring it to try to make it look motion instead of actually drawing the the motion lines and okay uh, yeah i can understand right. that yeah what about you matthew do you agree disagree i definitely agree and i think that part of that is because of the tone that we expect from this you know that i'm gonna again i'm gonna this is gonna be the thing that people are gonna call it this forever the the dust punk fiction that this is I feel like to some degree having that digital zoom kind of worked against the expectation of the time period that we're looking at, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, no, yeah, I think that big, mm-hmm. that big blur kind of undermines the expectation that this is, you know, kind of an alternate history of the 1940s and all the vehicles look like Jed Clampett's Roadster. So I, I can definitely see that. I think that. Creatively speaking, just the the ideas meshing here are one of the most fascinating bits because you don't necessarily think, hey, what would happen if World War I was fought with robots and then we had the Great Depression, only there were still robots and stuff? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a neat concept. That's not something mm-hmm. that feels mm-hmm. done to death or you know extremely familiar at the very least. It's something that I go, hey, that's pretty fascinating. What happens now? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, when all is said and done here, I don't know mm-hmm. where we're at because we've got a lot on this timeline already. Probably we've got ending, a lot of said and not a whole lot done. Yeah, we're probably ending a little bit earlier than what we normally do That's this cool. week. What's, a, what's your bottom line, Zach? What do you think? Give me some final thoughts yeah. and a final recommendation. This book was really, really fun. Wow, I can tell by the excitement in your voice, young lad. I am excited. So much excitement. It it is cool because we live in Kansas, and I grew up in a really small town. Sure. And I totally would have been way more into farming if there would have been robots. (laughs) And not just boring tractors. Right, right. I think that would have been really cool. And to see the robots. Do you know that now there are? Robots. Well, a lot robots of tractors now are being uh, well, yeah, driven automatically through automatically, GPS and everything. Yeah. But mm-hmm. still, they don't have legs, and they no, don't, that's right. They, they, they don't, don't have. They don't, they don't have walk on two. They legs don't walk on two legs. They don't have packard faces. They're not equipped right. with flamethrowers. No, 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 no. They're still Drop missing it, all those. There, I feel like the tractor industry is getting to that point where we will have people with like sickles and stuff walking in fields that are being yeah. completely motorized. But that's, I mean, that's a little down the way. I think. But can Anyways, they go? Can they go fishing? I think that's I think that's extra. Yeah, and maybe yeah, only John Deere will do that Ooh. version. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but, so recommended? So is rust, it a, yes. Is it a buy? Is it a borrow? Is it a avoid? Steal. 
Do Not Steal Rust Volume 1 is my first recommendation. Secondly, I would say you should definitely read this. Maybe just borrow it at first. I don't know what the price point is, but uh, we'll it find is it. a very the there. quick read. Rust I mean, digital, Volume 2 is twenty four ninety five. That's the hardback. Hardback. I think digitally, nice I, I think digitally, I spent twelve. Twelve, yeah. And that's not bad. You're getting two hundred pages, and it's a it's a very quick read, which is why I think maybe you should just borrow it really quick because you can you can breeze through this in under an hour, no time. And, oh yeah, yeah. And so I think if you can grab a copy from a friend and then read it, and if you enjoy it, then definitely pick this one up. And I'm definitely interested in Rust Volume Two. Well, you may borrow that. One, well, thank you, but you have to bring it back because I want to keep that one. I will bring this back. And if you don't bring it back, he will beat you. I, I will get locked in that room that I was always locked in for the first couple of shows I was on. And yes, go look for volume one of Rust, read it, and then get volume two. Yahoo. Uh, Rodrigo, what about you? I found it enjoyable. And um, you're right. Out of all of the there's a lot of kind of concept books floating around right now. And, uh, you know, robots in the Great Depression, like decaying robots in the Great Depression is not something that we've seen a lot of. So really almost just for that concept, it's worth picking up. Um, the art is interesting. The story, it's interesting. It's kind of, it's not my, it's not something that I'm terribly into i guess uh, you know the the story itself doesn't really draw me but there's enough peripheral things to keep me interested um i think that a i think that person in a jetpack and person on a motorcycle versus giant robot is one of the best action scenes that i've seen in a long time yeah yeah, yeah. um so again just because of all the little things that this book does it's worth picking up uh matthew what about you I liked this. This is unique and not as problematic as some independent comics are. I feel like there's been some, you know, some conscientious creativity here. And there's been a a very smart use of both the setting and the time frame. And in terms of editing, I feel like this is a really strong book. I would say definitely check it out. Um, you know, if you've got money and you want something to read, you could do a lot worse than this. I would say if you're a fan of kind of that historical fiction or that vaguely, you know, steampunky type thing, definitely check it out. This is this is good. Yeah, I agree. This is a I I think that this is a must pick up book. If for nothing else, young Zach, well, you're you're kind of more into the indie books. You're you're not a mainstream reader. Yeah. Uh, by I mean, you read them, but you're not like dedicated to Marvel or DC no, like no, Matthew no. and I have been for years and years and yeah, years. He's not a dedicated follower of fashion. No, 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 no. Um. So I think just to get a really good perspective of some of the indie stuff that's out there, small publisher mm-hmm. stuff that's out there, Rust is a book that I think you would really like to pick up. Um. Not having Volume One in my hands, if it is bound the same way as Volume Two. I love the canvasy cover. I like the fact that it's a good compact size. I like that this is an uh, E for Everyone book. Uh, I do want to share this with my kids and let them read it and see if they get as excited about it as I do. I say this is a pickup book. This is one to go ahead and drop the 24 bucks for the hardcover or maybe through our Amazon link. There may be a discount. I don't know. Ew. But uh, certainly go Ooh. and check out this book. Rust. Rust, volume one. Uh, Encounter in the Field is the first volume. Secret of the Cell is the uh, second volume. Second volume. And um, 
I think that the wraps third up for volume this week's is show. probably going to be uh, I am Jack's explaining colon. I think it's going to be called the thing on the train. I think is what it is. Look in the back of that volume oh, two and cool. see what volume three is. Okay. That's a hopefully cool it doesn't title. spoil. Let's hopefully it doesn't spoil, spoil volume it for two you. For Zach, really quick. Look for the third volume. Rust, death of the rocket boy. Oh, death of the rocket boy. Hey, oh, coming soon. Hey, I wonder if that's a spoiler. <laughs> Might be. Might be. Deluding <laughs> <laughs> uh, to something. Yeah, I, there are some really rocket cool. Rocket boy dies at the end. There are some really <laughs> cool um, character moments, some real good story development moments that happen in volume two. Uh, you know, I say I was going to wrap this up. How much of this book, uh, just as comparison for those people that know that you said now that you said Rocket Boy, how much of this mm-hmm. Matthew feels like Astro Boy, but just set in a different time period? None. Okay. You read volume At least two. not to me. Okay. Astro Boy, <laughs> I mean, Astro Boy has the mind of a child. Right. And Astro Boy's relationship with Professor Utonium, uh, oh, sorry, in Japanese, Professor Utoniuma, um, is more of a father-son relationship. And I don't necessarily get that vibe here. If anything, I would say this is kind of like a steampunk rocketeer. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Except it's nothing like a steampunk rocketeer. Uh, Zach, what are we going to read next week? The Industrial Revolution was neither next industrial week. nor a revolution. You got something you Discuss. want us to read next week? No. Rodrigo, what about you? Underwater welder. We were oh, we've never, that? I mean, you, we've reviewed the book oh, on yeah, the site. Oh, yeah, we did the site, didn't we? Yeah, and I don't like to duplicate uh, efforts. Yeah. Poop. Midnight fantasy. I'm Rodrigo, sorry, what about you? Do you got something for us to review? Something awesome? Something awesome. Or maybe not. I mean, you know, we don't always have did to read ever, good books. Bad. Did we ever get a hold of Whoa, what happened? <laughs> Hold on there. Tracksuit Dracula? I'm sorry, what did you say, Rodrigo? What? We kind of lost you all in a jumble of uh, Skypey crash quantizing there. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Wasn't your because fault. I actually, I actually talk in, uh, in, two bits. High, in high fidelity and <laughs> high definition. In 98 baud. Yeah, that's right. So it's, it's difficult. Um, no, IDW, I think, put out a Dracula. Maybe not. What am I thinking about? Somebody did a Dracula. I wanted to read a Dracula. Shadows of Dracula? The Shadow of Dracula from IDW Publishing? Didn't we just do a Dracula book? We did a few, a uh, couple of weeks ago. That was... Um, like three, four weeks ago? That was, that was uh, the Wolfman. Yeah, that was the Marvel Wolfman. Wolfman. Well, since I can't think of what it, what exactly it was, then I'll pass. Okay, what about you, Matthew? We got any Frankenstein's? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, um, you know, Rodrigo, go look. Put out that collection of Power Rangers Samurai. Um, we have one volume of that. It was the first one uh, that came out from Paper Cuts, and I think I sent that to you, didn't I? For you to check yeah. it out. You were like, hey, totally review this for the site. And I went, okay. And then you totally didn't. <laughs> two months uh, later, I remembered. Didn't the Steven say something? I will. Yeah. I mean, I'm down for that. All right. So we'll look at uh, the Power Rangers Samurai from Paper Cuts Entertainment. Why? Samurai. Because this is what happens when you give Matthew a choice. That's all Matthew can talk about. Because yeah, yes. this is what happens when no one else comes up with something. <laughs> See what I keep telling you guys? Damn it. I have at least five different topics of discussion. Thank you, young Zachary. Well, we can't they talk are. about boobies on the show. <laughs> I will slap the taste out of your mouth, boy. <laughs> All right, everyone. That wraps it up for this issue I'll of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Out. We will tune in next time with you. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. 
and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Batman's revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just buzz through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the with deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on guess i need to rethink this plan how would i bag and board my comics with such huge hands guess i already told ya what a major spoiler surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to keep up on all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king side though it's Spoilers is copyright 2013. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.